Welcome back, everybody, to Pushing Buttons Podcast. This is Kyle. I'm Robert. I'm Kevin. And uh, this is the podcast where we express our ideas, opinions, concepts, and experiences. Uh, today, we are continuing our discussion from last week, where we kind of dived into our favorite protagonists and why we enjoyed controlling them so much. And this week, uh, we're actually going to visit the other side of the spectrum, and we're going to take a look at the antagonist's point of view. Bad guys. And uh, I think to kick things off, I think, Kevin, you had a couple of places you wanted to touch off from? I was just making sure I was allowed to talk. You are. <laughs> I can talk now. You can, you, speak. you can speak. Okay. This is a safe zone. <laughs> you are the antagonist. Sometimes. Ouch. Also awesome. I'm in, I'm in protagonist. But you didn't say that, so you didn't mean that. <laughs> he hung his head in shame. <laughs> Before we get on that topic, does anybody want to talk about anything from the last week? Anybody do anything fun, exciting? I am excited about a game I started playing. Um, it's We've talked about this developer a lot before and their games, but it's a style of game that I had tried once and I thought I didn't care for and I never got very far. But it's a telltale game. I started The Wolf Among Us. Nice. And I That's got through cool. uh, the first two episodes, and I think I started the third one over the weekend. And I love it. Cool. Like I remember the only experience I had before with one of their games was the first Walking Dead that they did. And I only played it for maybe a couple hours. And I remember not caring for it too much back then. Do you have any uh, history reading the fables? Uh, I don't, novels? unfortunately. Okay. It's making me want to. They're one of those ones that have always kind of been... Well, you are in for a treat when we stream from my house, because uh, we have the entire series Nice in uh, issue by issue. Mariah collected them when she was younger. Nice. That so awesome. we have the whole series for you to peruse. I would love to dive into that. Yes. Uh, would you peruse or would you dive? Why can't it be both? Peruse. You dive first, and then you peruse. Okay. I, I get it. I get it. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, I love the – because I don't know the source material that much, I but I love everything I'm learning so far, and I understand it's like a prequel to the main comic series. Okay. I probably knew that at one point but forgot it since. Yeah. And uh, but I like the characters, and I'm really enjoying the – I think why I didn't care for them when I tried The Walking Dead way back then is because in that period of my life I was into, like, Halo – and Gears of War and all that stuff, so it's fast-paced and that kind of thing. And these are definitely more story, character-driven, mm-hmm. and, you know, like kind of how last week I was talking about how I love thematic games now, and games that feel like movies, and so now this is kind of filling that I thought that you role. said the Madden <laughs> Me <games>. too. <laughs> I was like, what? The Madden. Thematic. Sorry. <laughs> I, I, I understand. Thematic. But, uh, yeah, so I, I love that a lot, and I was really excited that I found it. And I love it. And now I can't wait to try the rest of their games. Not all of them excite me, but I definitely excited for their games now. That's cool. Thanks. Yeah, I still need to play the Batman and Guardians of the Galaxy ones. Mm-hmm. And, of course, Walking Dead when that comes out. I hear the Guardians ones, and I, this is hearsay. I haven't played them, but I hear they're passable. You don't need to play them. I, oh, yeah. I heard that particular one wasn't great. But... By the way, if there's a bunch of changing in the audio levels... I am testing stuff out on a new laptop right now, so sorry. <laughs> so far, so good, right? 
We sound great, right, guys? Absolutely. On that note, uh, I did something exciting yesterday. I bought a new laptop for the for the podcast. Yeah. Yeah, I did. It's got a better video card than my desktop does. So for a PC gamer, that kind of hurts that I didn't have <laughs> that great of a video card to begin with in my desktop. But this laptop wasn't that expensive, and uh, the construction of it's a little iffy, but I'm I'm liking it so far, and I think I can do all of the the editing and everything. It's, it's super exciting to me that I can do it all from this laptop. I just got to make sure I can still yeah, install the software and my licenses carry over and everything. Hopefully help us to be able to provide more content, too. That's the exact idea. That's the goal. Yeah. Can take, take it on the road. And uh, was there anything else that you would like to share as well for your week previously? Previously on Kevin's Week. No. No games? Nothing really free time-wise? No. Okay, uh, moving on to me, I guess. I spent a lot. I spent a lot of time with. Uh, I did a lot of artwork for the podcast, and now I'm going to delete oh, it all. Cause we got to talk about that. We got a new logo. Yeah, and it's going away because um, my brother made another new one, and, we got and new it's one. so much better. <laughs> it's going to be so hype. It, well, I, yeah, I, I, yeah, woo, woo, hype, yeah. Yeah, I'm super excited about it. It actually makes us look a little bit more professional than we act. So <laughs> we're going to be up in more places pretty soon, too. And I'm excited about that. That's what I've been spending a lot of my time on, a lot of my money on, is trying to get pushing buttons to where we need it to be. And it's, I, it's exciting. It's how we start. The logo comes first. You get a good logo, and then you, you have to get better. And then you get on iTunes. Yeah. yeah. You get the logo, and then you're on iTunes. Like, all right, we got a good logo. We have to get better now. <laughs> We gotta live up, to, live up to that logo. Exactly. Yeah, I get it. It's, yeah. All right, Kyle. What What have you been doing this last week? Well, uh, nothing new really. Uh, I played some more Final Fantasy fourteen, and uh, basically, I started playing the Heaven's Ward expansion, and uh, really enjoyed it so far. Uh, the story is a lot more grounded than the original Realm Reborn. Uh, I would say it's a lot more exciting to see the next quest for the main story. So I've been really diving into that this past week. Cool. Uh, aside from that, I've been playing more Assassin's Creed Origins. I just completed all the quests in Giza and Memphis. So I'm basically everything down from Alexandria mm-hmm. in like a C, backwards C shape I've <laughs> done. <laughs> uh, so right now I'm about level 30. I'm really enjoying the game right now. Uh, just nice. the different weapons and their variety and how they're used in combat, as well as the adrenaline skills, I think they're called, when you tap uh, the shoulder buttons together. I've been really enjoying mm. the branching combat. Like It feels like it's opening up now. The thing that I, I really like the most about the combat in that game is that with those overpower attacks or the charge attacks, that depending on the type of weapon you have equipped, it's a different type of mm-hmm. attack that you build up to. So you can have like the one swipe or you can go in berserk mode or whatever it is, depending on the, the weapon that you have equipped at that time. It's, it's pretty cool. Yeah, so far a highlight of mine is uh, when you investigate like a bandit camp or something and you have to kill the commander or captain of that camp. Uh, I just had a giant war axe, and I used my <laughs> adrenaline ability to kind of split his skull in two <laughs> in one hit. And I was like, damn, that was awesome. <laughs> nice. So 
the game's getting really fun. It's Plus, got some satisfying feeling to it. It does, yeah. And I really enjoy climbing the pyramids and seeing the landscape from the top yeah. of them. Um, other than that, I've been watching a lot of the Summer Games Done Quick okay, marathon cool. on Twitch. Yeah. Uh, haven't really had a lot of time to scope out a lot of the runs that are being done. But I did catch Prey yesterday. And uh, that was really fun to watch. <laughs> I especially like the exploit where uh, basically they can clip through the doors by using the glue gun. So I'm going to do that in every playthrough now. I'm <laughs> very glad that I didn't watch that, being that I'm like six and a half, seven hours into the game, also known as 10% into the story. And I, I don't want any spoilers. Yeah, you won't get any from me, but... Uh, no, I know. I'm looking forward to seeing the conclusion of the marathon this weekend. Games Done Quick is not only a really great cause, but it's always fun to see. A lot of times they have the same games over and over again every year. They tend to, yeah. But I, I think at this point people are expecting to see Metroid, or people are expecting to see Mario. S- the Mario games. and yeah, yeah. Which was last night. That was really fun to watch, too. But uh, that's really it for my, my week. Nice. Nothing new, really. Just more of the same. Yeah. But loving it. Yeah. At some point, some point we're going to start streaming on Twitch. Uh, we officially do have a Twitch channel, twitch.tv slash pushing buttons. And I actually put a video on the YouTube channel of me talking about that, of me looking at, I should say, reviewing the uh, Jedi Outcast lightsaber mod that I did back in 2002 that we talked about on the last episode of Pushing Buttons. So uh, some stuff going on with three of us working full-time jobs it's it's coming it's, it's coming actually a lot more than i thought it would so it's mm-hmm. it's good it's fun definitely check out that video because some of the comments at the end are, are gold <laughs> they're worth the wait <laughs> i thought so too glad you enjoyed those guys mm-hmm. all right well to kick things off uh kind of gonna go with the same sort of pattern that we went with last week we started talking about most of the 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 iconic protagonists mm-hmm. Um, namely a lot of the Nintendo ones, because they have the best well-known characters that you expect to see in every game in that franchise. So going to do the same thing with the antagonists, and whether or not they actually stand out as antagonists or if they just stand out as characters. Like To me, Bowser is just a character that has to be in a Mario game. Yeah. He doesn't have to be the the big baddie. He doesn't have to be the antagonist of, this, of the story for me to buy into it. Um, I... I think that's kind of the case with most of these uh cl- the classic ones mm-hmm. uh when you're talking about ganon ganon is always the bad guy the villain isn't he, he? is yeah for the most or part or some form of ganon yeah there's been a game or two where that's not the case but they're really? mostly okay. spin-off titles oh okay okay kind of like with mario as well gotcha i'm i'm sure there's a spin-off game of mario that uh, like luigi's mansion yeah <laughs> those type of games yeah, yeah. mario tennis <laughs> well, I was actually referring to Super Mario Brothers 2, where it was like not even actually a Mario well, game. Yeah, that was definitely not a Mario game. Yeah. Uh, I forgot the name of that game, the the original version. Anyway, that was nice yeah, <laughs> Feeling pretty good, guys. Me too. Yeah, <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah I, th- those kinds of characters don't really stand out to me as antagonists. They just stand out as characters. But mm-hmm. does that negate their presence? Does that make their presence any less meaningful to you guys for me no not really uh i mean the game series that i'm mostly familiar with where there's a recurring villain is zelda Mm -hmm. and mario 
And, you know, it's always great to see what new form they're shown in. Like for Ganon, he's always different. Yeah. With each Zelda game. Yeah. And what I like about the Zelda games is, you know, he's like the main villain, but you'll have side side villains as well. Yeah. And, uh, like, for example, in Twilight Princess, uh, you fight, I think his name was Zant. Uh, he was the first side villain before you reach Ganon at the end of the game. And uh, I think from there, Mario and Bowser. I don't necessarily enjoy fighting Bowser, but I enjoy him as a character, like you were saying, Kevin. Like, he's always a great antagonist because he always does the same thing every time we hate him for it. Right. But, you know, at the same time, it's like, how many times can you fight Bowser over yeah. and over? It's the same with Sonic the Hedgehog. How many fi- How many times can you fight Dr. Robotnik? Yeah. Sorry, Dr. Eggman. And expect something different out of it. Uh, it's the same thing over and over again, which is the definition of insanity. Which, Voss... From Far Cry nice 3. Segue. Thank you. I was working on that for an that entire two villain. and a half seconds. <laughs> uh, Voss from Far Cry 3 is actually one of my favorite villains that didn't get his due. Yeah, mine as well. It was Me really, as well. I don't like the story from Far Cry games. I never have. Mm-hmm. Far Cry 3 stood out to me just because of that character. And then that drug-fueled sequence that you kill him, I was like, no, that can't be it. That can't be it. No, I can't. No. <laughs> but it was. And it was it was sad. I know a lot of people bring him up as uh, as a villain that didn't last as long as that he should have in the game, and it's it's because it's absolutely true. He was well written. There was actual I don't know if it's progression so much as it was like progression relating to the 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 protagonist, mm-hmm. the the douchebag from you know Richville, America. <laughs> I don't know where they were from, but uh, Jason Brody. That's it. Remember that. that? Yeah, rich kid name. Good, good <laughs> memory there, I suppose. Well, I did start playing that game what like three weeks, three or four weeks ago. That's right. You played like, classic edition half hour. So that's right. <laughs> I honestly can't remember any of the Far Cry uh, antagonists mm-hmm. outside of the one that's on the cover of Far Cry Four. Pagan Min. And I didn't remember his name. I just remember his pinkish, purplish jacket that he's wearing on the cover. Yeah. That's all I remember. He was... I was going to say Voss was going to be on my... Towards the top of my villains, too. And it's been so long since I played that game. Like, all the way through, I totally forgot that he kind of bit it. Yeah. Like, what was that? About halfway through the game? A little more than that? 50 to 65% of the yeah. way through the and story. And then it was like the, the cult lady or whatever yeah. after that. But. His sister, I think? Voss's sister? I think it was his sister. But Pagan Man, he was definitely not as good as Voss, but I enjoyed him as a villain a lot. Um, I think the the voice acting had a lot to do with it. There's a guy that voiced um, Joel from The Last of Us <laughs> and a bunch of other characters. I can't remember his name, but he infused life into the character even if he wasn't written the greatest way. But I did enjoy it as a villain, him as a villain throughout the whole game, and the ending kind of... I enjoyed the ending of that game a lot. I don't want to spoil it because I know you haven't played it. I don't know if you ever are going to play it. Far Cry 4? Yeah. I've never played it. I've never. Yeah, I'm okay. going well, to I don't want to spoil it, but it's. I liked how they wrapped up his story, okay. I guess, at the end of it. The story of him and your protagonist, you know, it's connected. And I like how they connected that. A lot of people 
you know, didn't think it was that great, but this is people like me even for the most part don't care about a Far Cry story. They yeah. want it for the the open world crazy gunplay. Exactly. And the the Splinter Cell esque stealth thing through camps or mm-hmm. the whatever going through the camp and yeah. eliminating everybody. Assassin's I was going to ask you, Kevin. Do you remember the Far Cry Three Blood Dragon villain? Because I don't. At I. All. <sighs> God, I do not. I mean, I love that game so much, but I can't remember the villain at all. I can't remember either. That's not a good sign. (laughs) (laughs) There are a lot of games that just have... Forgettable villains. Very forgettable villains. So what, in your opinion, makes a memorable villain? What makes the the villain something that you either just want to loathe or that you just want to finish the game to see the end of Mm -hmm. because of the way that he or she is and acts? I mean... For me, I, when I think of open world games, I can't remember a single villain from them. It's because those games are made to be played as an open world game, not a story-driven game. And that's yeah. why I'm sick of open world <laughs> games. Yeah, it's getting tiresome. Absolutely. It's, it's all in the writing. I mean, you can have the flashiest looking villain or the, the spouting the craziest phrases and stuff. But if they're not written well, and if they're not a good enough... I guess foil for your protagonist, then they're just going to be forgettable. And I think that's why Voss worked so well because he was written really well, mm-hmm. even if he didn't last long. See, what happened? What I liked about Voss was that he actually was able to get me more into the environment, like into mm-hmm. the setting of the game, because yeah. he was a product of that environment and his the, the way he thought and the way he acted, what he did was because of the way that that environment was, and it was it was the the perfect way to wrap the characters and the setting into mm-hmm. one story that was digestible, but then killing him off as quickly as they yeah. did as the main villain, not turning him into the main <laughs> villain was a shame. I did want to mention that the ever since then, it seems like the Far Cry games have gone out of their way to try to craft the next big <laughs> villain because they felt like they did it so well. It's that... like when Fox canceled the rest of development and then made that cartoon <laughs> sit down, shut up. In the trailer for that that cartoon, they actually were talking about, they were listing off the names of the actors that were in that show, mm-hmm. and then they said at the end of it, we're sorry about Arrested Development. Really? But yeah, awesome. before Netflix picked them up, obviously. <laughs> yeah. It's but, like, yeah, we're sorry that we killed Voss <laughs> off, so here's this guy. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they, I mean, they, they do write villains, they actually attempt to write them, whether it lands or not, like with five. You have Joseph Seed, the main one, then his two brothers and a sister. And you can tell that they are definitely trying to write these interesting, you know, oh, this character is all weird and does this and stuff. And supposed to have that connection with the protagonist, but you never really, they haven't captured it as well since 3. To not spend too much time on Ubisoft, (laughs) the Assassin's Creed villains, even though most of them are like historical figures or mm-hmm. some twisted version of a historical figure, uh, do they resonate with you? Because they do not with me Completely whatsoever. forgettable. Okay. Yeah, I honestly couldn't. The only one I could remember was, because uh, I was thinking about this earlier, was Rodrigo Borgia. Borgia? Okay. From 2. Yeah. From 2, yep. Yeah, he became the Pope at the end. So that's right, <laughs> a little bit. Honestly, yeah. it's... Or, I guess, Hatham from uh, 3, because he was the character's father. Gosh, but right. it's... Other than that, yeah, I can't remember Black Flag's villain. Can't remember. This is terrible. Syndicate's villain. I, I don't either. I mean, the only one that really sticks out would be uh, one. 
Well, I wasn't going to say that. I was going to say Assassin's Creed 3 with uh, Charles, you know, the main villain of that game. Charles. He's like the last guy you assassinate. Oh, I never yeah. played that game. I just I remember it because Connor's always going like, Charles! Yeah. <laughs> See, I forgot about Charles. I was only yeah. thinking about Hatham. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Assassin's Creed, the original, actually did pretty good. I, I, I will never remember the mentor's name. But having yeah. him as the the main boss of the game, as the ending boss yeah, fight of the game, it oh, yeah. it wasn't unexpected, but it was a good way to spin the whole story full circle. Mm-hmm. It was a great way to tie it up, and it wasn't that memorable, but it was more so than any of the other other mm-hmm. Assassin's Creed games since then. I wonder if the crew too has a villain. More than likely, DLC oil changes. DLC. <laughs> <laughs> You know, uh, I was honestly picking my brain to try and remember anything. And what I love about the Metal Gear Solid series is that it has memorable boss fights and memorable villains that you face. Uh, I've heard that. I mean, every single villain I still remember off the top of my head because they're so well written. I think it has a lot to do with how they're written. As somebody who's only ever played Metal Gear Solid on the PlayStation 1, I have to say that Psycho Mantis is probably one of the best villains in a video game franchise ever. Simply for the fact that he knew what you were going to do. She? He. he. That he knew what you were going to do before you did it and was able to block everything until you unplugged your controller and put it in control player number two's input. And then he couldn't read your mind anymore because he had the connection. It was just a brilliant little thing that made that game so that, that great. Really cool. At the time, it was incredible. I never knew that. And like if, when you play it for the first time as a little kid, and that happens, you're like, "What the fuck?" <laughs> when he <laughs> says, "Oh, I see you played such and such game because you have other Konami uh, save game data on your memory so card." Oh, you like to play Castlevania? Yeah, exactly. You know stuff like that. Yeah, you never see that kind of stuff happening in games yeah. anymore. That's, That's why really cool. I mean, yeah, it was I, awesome. I remember uh, like Revolver Ocelot. I remember oh, God, yeah. uh, Liquid Snake, but it's yep. it's not like I remember anything that they said or did. I just remember them because they're they were at this so, point they're more iconic than anything else. Well, they were so like outlandish and expressive. <laughs> yes, like they made a point to make you remember them. Uh, Xenia in Goldeneye. Mm-hmm. Yes, she was based on the character from the movie, mm-hmm. but in that game, I still remember that fight in the jungle because it was it, it was a little difficult, but it was just it made you change your entire tactics and how you fought that boss in the game because you couldn't just like run in a circle and kill like and shoot like you could with every other boss in the game. It was like random fire coming at you from the from the trees and stuff. Mm-hmm. It. I don't. I didn't think about that ahead of time. I just thought about that. You know, right it's now. great that you bring that up because as a kid, I'd never watched Goldeneye before playing the game. See, I I played the here. game. But yeah, yeah, I played the game way before I saw the movie. And I was so surprised when uh, 006... <laughs> Trevelyan. Yeah, Trevelyan. Yeah, yeah. That's how I remember him. I don't remember his 006, but I know in the movie he's. That basically. Alec Trevelyan, Sean yeah. Bean. I was so shocked by his betrayal. I was like, oh. I was like, no. Et two, Eddard Stark. <laughs> yeah, and I, then I watched the movie later. I'm like, okay, yeah, that's awesome. See, it's it's funny when there's a game that's based on a movie, and that's another topic for another time. That uh, that th- th- you play the game before you see the movie. Mm-hmm. 
and it spoils the movie for you, <laughs> but you don't care because if you saw the movie, it would have spoiled the game for you, and that's when you're like, son of a gun, I didn't. I wish I hadn't seen that. Mm-hmm. I know uh, for me personally, like for a villain to be relatable, they have to discuss like a lot of heavy themes that make you sympathetic to their cause. I don't even think it has to be heavy. I think it has to be something relatable. Mm-hmm. I mean, there are a lot of games where you have a villain and their motives are not clear from the onset. But as you learn more about them through you know, playing the game, you start to see where they're coming from, and that, I think, makes for a very uh, compelling antagonist. Uh, the only one I can really think of off the top of my head was Solid as Snake in Mugger Solid 2. Uh, basically, he's trying to free America from the control of the this entity called the Patriots. And they're controlling all of this flow of information, controlling how people consume information. And he's trying to get rid of their influence on the world. And, you know, at the time when I played it, I'm like, what the fuck is even happening in this game? Because <laughs> it was so Yahoo! nuts. Kyle's uh, not censoring himself. No, not at all. <laughs> uh, but, you know, as I've grown older and I rewatch those cutscenes later, I'm like, my God, what a well-written prota- or antagonist. Right. I almost see him as a protagonist <laughs> because of how awesome he is. Yeah. You need to play those games. Oh, God. One of my favorite I'm TV, to myself. <laughs> one of my favorite TV show villains, at least of a show that's still kind of currently going, is uh, he's not like a main villain, but Tywin Lannister. Mm, yeah, and it's not only just because the actor is great mm-hmm. at playing the role; it, it's not just because of the writing and his dialogue. Everything that he says in the show is perfect. It's because he has that clear motive of trying to do everything he can to make that Lannister name better mm-hmm. he has that motive of just everything he does he does for his family and that's something that anybody can relate to i don't have kids but i know that if i were to have kids mm-hmm. anything that i do i want it to be for them naturally yeah i i think that's such a relatable thing and mm-hmm. that's the thing that's missing in a lot of video games and i i granted i don't play a whole lot of games but i'm sure there are others out there um yeah, I guess I would like to point out that Thanos is a great example of a villain, a relatable villain, at least. At least to me. Maybe not to everybody, but, you know, I agree with his policy of, you know, maybe half people, half of the people need to die. <laughs> He's just trying to push your buttons, folks. Right? <laughs> no, not really. But he, the movie did such a great job of helping you to see things from his perspective. And yes, he's doing all these horrible things, but he has a clear motive for it. And it's something that if it wasn't so horrible could be, you know, very relatable to a lot, how a lot of people feel. And I really wish there was more villains like that in video games, at least ones that I play. I'm sure there are, but you know, I think it needs to be more mainstream having well-written villains like that. Gotcha. You know, just on an unrelated note, like I see a lot of people complaining, like, why didn't he use the Infinity Gauntlet to provide enough resources for uh... <laughs> And I'm like, that's not who Thanos is. Because people suck. I mean, it makes total sense what he did. I'm I'm with you on that. Hey, we can start a movie podcast at some point, but for right now, this is a video game podcast, and I'm sorry I brought up Game of Thrones. 
I'll, I'll stop it. But okay. on the topic Kyle of professional Bowen. wrestling, <laughs> 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 the storylines that I get into there are when the heel is written and motivated based on something that is relatable, not mm-hmm. just wanting to be a dick to everybody. So I, I get what yeah. I was and saying. And there's enjoyable stories where I enjoy just having a bad guy just for bad guy's sake where right. I, I want to kill everybody or yeah. you know destroy everything like General Rom from the first Gears of War. And you don't even – you see him, I think, two times in the game with no interaction until the very last level when you actually fight him. But there's some games like that where it's it's okay just to have, you know, for me to just have a villain that's just there for me to beat. Who's just a total douchebag that you need <laughs> to kill because he's such a dick. Yeah. See, I those kinds of uh, antagonists don't really get to me as much like mm-hmm. Ares in God of War. That was all – that entire story was Kratos – was leading up to Kratos killing Ares. And it was because he wanted to get revenge on everything that Ares did to mm-hmm. him. And that I didn't really care. That that didn't relate to me so much. I mean, I was thinking of uh, Darth Malak from Star Wars: uh, Knights of the Republic, the first one. Like that guy was pretty evil. Yeah, and he was such a great villain and a good foil for Darth Revan. He was the perfect foil for for Revan because. If you haven't played this game by now, and we spoiled a lot for you last week, then <laughs> sorry, spoilers ahead. But yeah, you're playing as Darth Revan the whole time, and you don't know it. And you have a history with this guy that you don't know that he does. Mm-hmm. And it it does set it up perfectly to, to that end point of the game, where you, after you've had the revelation that you are a Revan, that, that you have this history with him, and this is why he's doing that. And, yeah. I mean, that to me makes a really good villain. Like... You can have the villains you can relate to, but you can also have the villains who are just so scummy. Like, it makes you, like, ecstatic to beat them. <laughs> are there any but, other ex- I was trying to actually think of examples of villains like that. Villains that are just dicks because they want to be dicks. Mm-hmm. I'm sure there are hundreds of thousands of them. It's I mean, games. Diablo, I suppose. <laughs> like a Tartarus from Halo 2. Tartar sauce? Yeah. yeah. That's what I used to call There's like Tartarus. He's the the brute, like the big brute captain guy. Oh, that was Halo 2, wasn't it? That's what he said, yeah. That's right. (laughs) That's what I said. (laughs) But, uh, yeah, and he, a villain like that that where... perfect Tobias. (laughs) (laughs) I, see, it's been so long since I played it, I don't remember if he had any extra motivations, but just the whole game, you know, he's trying to capture you or kill you or whatever and then he's but he was a fun villain to try to beat and take down because you're just it's like such a douchebag so like you know going back to the thing i said there are some games where it's okay just to have a, a mindless villain i always think of 343 guilty spark as the main villain of the halo series because mm-hmm. he's caused so much Woo-hoo! for being a little <laughs> android that yeah. likes to just create chaos out of all the halo rings being mm-hmm. set off and i mean that's a valid point i mean i i can't remember now because it's been so long but i feel like he was killed in halo 3 right i don't remember either, i honestly, honestly don't remember i, I mean it's so long ago but i do remember him always being this little piece of shit that was always taunting you for yeah. 
you and, know, why are you doing this? And it's like, yeah. In the first Halo game, you know, you start out thinking he's, you know, one of the good guys, and then yeah, yeah, he's gonna help you. And then, I like it when they flip things on you, like Bioshock. Oh, okay. about with yeah. the Atlas. Yeah, the whole game, and then that twist. I think that was a great example of <clears throat> turning something you thought into something different, and then you have this antagonist out of it. Subverting your expectations. Yeah. 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 Um, here is a discussion that I kind of wanted to save for another time, but I think it'll fit in here. Star Child. Say what? Star Child. Are you talking about Mass Effect again? <laughs> I'm talking about Mass Effect again. <laughs> I don't recall that phrase. Oh. Star Child. He was the, the, the kid. Is there another beer around The kid here? in Mass Effect 3. <laughs> See, no, I, I don't remember Mass, Mass Effect 3 at all, so. The ending of it? You don't remember the ending of Mass Effect 3? I don't want to, like, bring back bad memories, but. I remember the endings, but I don't remember a Star Child. Star, he was the kid that was explaining that he was the one sending the Reapers out and okay. resetting everything over and that. over and over again. Was that not the worst shoehorned villain yeah, using air quotes here. Of I mean, all time, God. After the amazing villain we had in Mass Effect One was Saren. Saren. Saren was so good. Mm-hmm. He was a great villain that I actually sympathized with a lot when he. And, and you're meant to, yeah. Especially if you read the novel and like see his his backstory and know that he's gone through a lot of the same stuff as Captain Anderson and his Commander Shepard mm-hmm. going through. Mm-hmm. I mean, just to see that progression. Of awesomeness down to <laughs> terribleness. Because Mass Effect 2's villain was a giant Terminator. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. There was no real boss. villain. I think Mass you're Effect supposed 2. to be thinking of the elusive man as the villain, even though I he's not portrayed that, as the villain. I mean, I get that. At least that, not until the third one, if I remember right. Kind of, yeah. Uh, and because he was indoctrinated. Yeah. But, I remember oh, him being, God. like, I loved his character. I, I love the actor that, that Yeah, Martin Sheen did yeah. a fantastic job. And, but yeah, it's other than Saren, there hasn't been too many memorable villains for the Mass Effect franchise. Even Andromeda, which I just played last year, <laughs> I can't remember there being an overarching. It was the dude that was in charge of that alien race. Okay, <clears throat> the... that one dude with the one alien race. Yeah, yeah. the pink I... ones. <clears throat> I don't. I haven't played the game, so I don't know. Yeah. I don't know. They look like typical Star Trek aliens, oh, okay. like next generation yeah. style. You know, like they ran out of ideas. <laughs> We're gonna have a long discussion on Mass Effect at some point. I just wanted to bring it up to. I loved Saren. Mm-hmm. Great villain. It yeah. it it also like embraced like the gameplay behind it because your main interactions with Saren are through dialogue, and that's what the game was trying to mm-hmm. pretty much convey with its release at the time. Like, the dialogue system was so expansive for that genre. I mean, you would really only have seen that with, you know, Fallout 1 and 2 and other games like it. But in an action RPG, that was pretty much unheard of back then. Yeah. And to have the main villain... Especially in a sci-fi shooter. Exactly. And, you know, back in 2007 when that was released, like, just having the dialogue uh, conversation wheel to interact with the villain... I mean, there is a bo- final boss fight where you shoot and stuff, but up I don't want to talk then, about that boss fight. 
Yeah. And he turns into creepy spider, Saren. Yeah, Jumpy I mean, robot spider. Yeah. I don't remember those moments for a villain. I just remember the, the interaction through dialogue yeah. more so than anything else. Yeah. The, the, when you first see him as the player, when he's on, uh, when you're on Eden Prime, mm-hmm. and he shoots the other, the, the other Spectre Turian in the back of the head, and how, how he just does not care, you can see that. But knowing the backstory to him and the lead up to it is, it's so good. <laughs> <laughs> Did Dragon Age have the Dragon Age Origins have a villain? Before the expansion, because I know the Dark Spawn were like the the thing you were trying to stop. Was there like one big Dark Spawn dude that was the the main Dark Spawn <laughs> dude before? Well, uh, the expansion. I forget what the expansion was called. Considering I couldn't even remember who the Grey Wardens were <laughs> for my trivia question, I honestly yeah. would be hard pressed to find you an answer. <laughs> Maybe I know since I knew the Great Wardens and I'd never played the game. Exactly. <laughs> no, I don't know. Praise Roberts. <laughs> Dragon Age was a different game though altogether. For me, that was more about the side stories, the side missions, and exploring and leveling up than it was about the main Darkspawn mission. Again, open world game. So. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean... Well, no, that one wasn't open world. It wasn't? No, not really. I said, Did I say open world? I think I did. Oh, okay. I, never... I just assumed it was all this time. No, it has, like, locations you can go to, but mm. it's not open world. Gotcha. I'm trying to remember the guy's name from Dragon Age 2 and Inquisition, because he was the final boss of Inquisition, but I never played Dragon Age 2, so I don't know his motives really yeah. well. Is it, like, Corinthius or something? That sounds like a book from the Bible. Corinth? It was, <laughs> it was Corinth something. I don't know. I don't remember. Dark... But I thought he was a pretty bland villain. Dragon Age 2 is a game that I never want to play again. Never want to remember. And Dragon Age Inquisition, I never finished. Oh. You're not missing much. Yeah. So what about whole, like, enemy types or enemy factions as antagonists? These are some games like the aforementioned Halo games where there's not always one specific villain for a game. Sometimes it's, you know, the entire Covenant. So, the flood or whatever. Sometimes it can be good, but sometimes you can end up with the Queen of the Borg from Star Trek. And it's like the Borg are these, you know, the I, I know the Borg. Borg are, There's, yeah. They're seen as people that are or cyborgs that are undefeatable and you're not supposed to be able to overcome them, but sometimes, uh, somehow Picard and crew always do. And then in the movie, uh, First Contact, they had the Borg Queen. They actually assimilate Picard, don't they? They do that. That's in the TV show. That's in the next generation. Remember him having the like eyepiece on. He was Locutus of Borg. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Uh, The when they do things like that and have like one mouthpiece for the entirety of the the collective, or in that case the collective, but in like Gears of War having that one locust commanding officer, whatever it was. I don't remember Gears of War Mm -hmm. or having a head dark spawn. (laughs) <laughs> or whatever it is. I, it just seems like it's tacked on and they, they just do it to do it because they feel like they have to do it. It doesn't There must me. be a grandiose fight with yeah. the leader. And right. It's always bland and forgettable. Right. I feel like that tends to be more shooter-based games. I don't even know if that's the case. These are the ones I've experienced. Yeah. But. Well, the... the 
I I always go back to when we talk about shooters. I always go back to Doom, hmm. and the is it the Mecha Demon? Cyber Demon? Cyber Demon. Thank hmm. you. The Cyber Demon was this big, huge, badass mother from Mars and Hell, kind of put together. <laughs> And it that that's memorable, but at the same point, it's just another demon Martian, and the demon. Yeah, you, the, you don't learn its childhood backstory, or right, right. It's what just, made him evil? It's, it's, enemy to kill. It's the next demon up <laughs> in in the food chain. I just remember it because of how hard they were to kill when I was a kid, first playing Doom Two. But they don't stand out as like a story driven. <laughs> boss to me, obviously. Right. I feel like a lot of games take steps with building up a true antagonist. Because you have these boss units that you stomp continuously. And then, oh, their leader is this guy, and you have to kill him. And then he turned out to have two other leaders, and you kill them. So you've played Assassin's Creed. Basically. <laughs> <laughs> but a lot of games do that, especially open world games. Yeah. And Ghost Recon Wildlands. It's another Ubisoft <laughs> open world game. So yeah. I think of yeah. Mercenaries for that specifically. I don't know if you guys have played Mercenaries no. yeah. or not. Like that's the, a blast from the past. Like those kind of open world games, like Grand Theft Auto, where you have a big mission against this named character, and he turns out he was just a pawn of another character. Mm-hmm. You know, there's like a domino effect, yeah. and it keeps tumbling ever downward to mediocrity. But uh, that's what I love about the Metal Gear Solid series so much is they have these memorable boss fights, you know, combined with the gameplay mechanics that, that you have to exploit to achieve victory over these It's some sort of named foes. There's a combination of pattern recognition, yeah. luck, and skill that all go together, plus knowing your enemy. I and mean... It says a lot that I still remember each and every boss fight from Dark Souls, and I can't remember a single one from Assassin's Creed or <laughs> Grand Theft Auto, you know, open world bosses. Well, a lot of those games that you're mentioning, and the reason we're even talking about it in the first place is because the antagonist is supposed to be the last fight of the game. It's the thing that's supposed to make you remember the game. Mm-hmm. And if it's not written right, if it's not done right, if it's not executed properly, you're not going to remember that game in a good light. No. And obviously these a lot of these games that we don't remember the main villain of, <laughs> they had a villain that or an antagonist that was just kind of thrown in there, half-assed mm-hmm. written. I mean, I find a lot of games that have memorable villains, they're established really early in the game. And they are, like, the central focus for the story. Like, the reason why your character is experiencing all of these plot elements as they come their way. Like, uh, I know you guys don't play Final Fantasy games, but they have great villains, though. Uh, I mean, some of them are more convoluted than other ones. But I always remember Sephiroth. because Everybody always brings up Sephiroth. I mean, if you've played it... I mean, you you already know that Eris dies. I mean, it is a huge moment in gaming history because it's the first time you've seen a villain just straight up kill one of your party members. And I have to talk about it at least a little bit. I didn't play Final Fantasy VII when it was first released, but 
I knew going into the game that happened. Oh, okay. But even when it happened, <laughs> I was just completely, like, I just collapsed in myself. I was just like, oh my god. Like, I couldn't believe that happened. Even though I already knew what was going to happen. <laughs> <laughs> like, it's moments like that that make a memorable villain. Central to the story, he actually affects those who you're close to in the game. That kill one of your party members or something like that. I feel like uh, if we're talking about the ultimate video game villains, you have to put him on there. Yeah, that makes sense. Uh, but with a lot of these op- you know, other games that we play, it just feels like you're going through the motions of a, you know, a generic villain. Just for the sake of the story needing one. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Like, I find myself looking back on all these open world games I played, like uh, Grand Theft Auto, Red Dead Redemption. I don't even remember Red Dead Redemption's villain. I can remember Dutch Vanderlyn's name, but I can't but, remember his fight or anything, or even there even was one. I mean, Dutch wasn't a bad character. It just feels like, for most of the game... He's not even a factor in the story. Most of those those villains that are not memorable, it seems like they're the the people that are writing them or developing the game or whatever, just checking off bullet points. Oh, the character needs to show up to make this impact on the player. The character needs uh, need to have this cutscene here to show that this guy's being a dick to this guy. It's just bullet points. Mm-hmm. It's not a, a one cohesive, well written story. Mm-hmm. And that that cohesive, well written story is what makes both the protagonist and the antagonist and the whole story and game work. Mm-hmm. It's just writing. It Basically, that's writing. what it boils down to. I mean, you have a lot of retro games uh, that have these villains that are so two-dimensional. It doesn't really feel like there's much to them. Well, if you want to talk about a literal two-dimensional villain, I want to talk about the ghosts from Pac-Man. Each of those ghosts is programmed differently. They all have different scripts that make them chase Pac-Man differently. They are well-written uh, antagonists <laughs> in the arcade age. It can be done. It can be, yes. But then you have even... I like Sonic the Hedgehog a lot, but then you have Dr. Robotnik that's just there turning uh, animals into robots because he wants to power his death egg. <laughs> and then... He just, every time you you defeat him, he's, like, all burning in flames and then just takes off and then laughing at you at the next level. It's, it's There's no... Mm-hmm. Why do I care? Why do you care? And there, the other villains that we talked about that actually have some kind of backstory with the, the main character, some mm-hmm. motivation that's relatable to the player, is what makes the villain. Yeah. I, th- I, I just have to say, like... There's so many of these memorable experiences in gaming that are tied to your protagonist. But with the antagonist, it's really, really hard to cherry pick. Uh, they're just so far few in between, each of them. Uh, I Honestly, it's really difficult to try and none of us out separate moments. None of us came into in here prepared mm-hmm. to talk about this because there were not enough great villains to write down a list. Yeah, it's interesting. You can though, YouTube, you look it up on YouTube and see people doing lists of great villains. Yeah, like but, top five boss fights. I mean, right. You remember boss fights, right? And boss fights are different from having a well done antagonist. Mm-hmm. It's just so rare to have a memorable villain. 
I mean, we've seen it in movies a lot and TV shows even, mm-hmm. but for video games, I think it's still very underdeveloped. It really is. Most of the, the villains that come out in games now, and I'm thinking a lot of Destiny 2 right now, uh, Gaul, I think is the guy's name. Mm-hmm. He's just being a dick. He just wants to be there to take the light. It isn't until the very end of the story of the main game that he kind of has his motivations show a little bit. But it's still not to the point where it makes you care about... At least it didn't make me care about the game at all. Mm-hmm. I just wanted to play because it had fun shooting mechanics and I like yeah. to jump. <laughs> His character wasn't relatable until the very end. It was se- semi-relatable. But just, he, th- those villains just want to be mean. Yeah. That's what it boils down to. Well, you have that as well with a lot of... <laughs> Sorry, Robert. <laughs> Third-person shooter games where you have developed villains I'm not sure if you guys know of any at all uh, third person shooter villains yeah that kind of goes along with what I was just going to mention is how it doesn't always ruin the game experience you can still have a great game without a great antagonist and what comes comes to mind for me is the Uncharted series where I can't really remember any of the villains specifically. I remember, I remember Uncharted, a bit 2 of Uncharted is, 2 is uh, Visago, the Vizier, something like that, the Russian guy, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think it was like Razievek or something. Zanzibar. And, <laughs> Zanzibar. <laughs> and, and those are fantastic games, and they get, those games really are about the protagonist and his. Crew, but that's also more right. about the side characters as well. Okay. Yeah, well, exactly. yeah, the crew. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It's about side Sully and, and Yeah, yeah. And so you can have Elena. Elena, thank yeah. you. And so you can have those great game experiences and still not have, even though we would all love if the villains in those games were more memorable. You know, they're still great games, and they're not tainted by that fact. You know, that's actually kind of interesting because. When I played Uncharted 3 for the first time, mm-hmm. the villain was what actually ruined the game for me. Really? That was I, the one with the... Talbot. Remember the lady with like the short... The older it was lady the old the lady. Yeah. I completely forgot about her because she wasn't the real main villain. It was uh, this random henchman of hers named Talbot mm-hmm. who would teleport. And it was such a dumb premise for a villain. And he it just teleported? turned... He would teleport, yeah. I don't remember that at all. I, I didn't play Uncharted 3. Well, basically what happens is you get hit with, like, a drug, and he kind of looks like he's, like, shifting, <laughs> like, teleporting. Oh, that's fantastic. And even Drake's like, what? How is he doing that? And it's like, you know, it's uncharted. It's not like... That does sound familiar. I, I can hear that in his voice. Yeah. How's he doing that? <laughs> <laughs> what sort of trickery is this? And then at the end, it's, it's revealed that it was just some ancient drug that he shoots you with whenever he does that and it just it's so stupid it's a really <laughs> dumb idea for a villain because the old lady was worthless I, I completely forgot about her story because it was so pointless uh, but he's the real antagonist mm. and he just dies in the most miserable way for a villain to die he just falls off a cliff <laughs> and it's just like why do I care about my journey in this game I mean Hooray, Drake is now engaged to Elena. Woohoo! <laughs> and you, you see that in Uncharted 4. Mm-hmm. And that actually had a pretty good villain, I thought. 
I was trying to remember the villain from 4. I couldn't remember him either. It's Crash Bandicoot. (laughs) (laughs) You know, but at least for Uncharted 3, it was just terribly done. Like, the story just felt like it was pieced together like a Frankenstein. Like, they had these set pieces planned in pre-development of the game. And then it goes back to the bullet points of you got to hit this mark, hit that mark, hit Mm -hmm. that mark. Yeah, that's pretty much what happened with Uncharted 3. Yeah. Well, do you, going back to boss fights, do do well done boss fights, hard boss fights that actually make you think and make you kind of stress out and work for that victory. Do do those bosses mean anything to you guys? Oh, absolutely. Like as a villain in the in the game, not in the story. It doesn't have to be in the story, but in the game itself. In the game itself, yes. Okay. Being perfectly honest, I don't care for boss fights. I would prefer most of my games not to have boss fights. There, well, it's because I think you play a lot more shooters than other games, and shooter boss fights do not usually work out well as boss fights. Nope. In a strategy game or in an RPG of some kind or in more, more methodical combat system games, mm-hmm. the... Uh, a boss fight can work out a lot better, and Dark Souls is the obvious example of that. I guess that makes sense, because, like, Assassin's Creed's... Assassin's Creed, not Creed's. <laughs> when they have, I guess, the boss or, like, a bigger enemy, it's... That is different than just, like, a Gears of War boss. You're just... It's a bullet sponge, and you're just... Exactly. Trying to hit the light-up points to mm-hmm. make them do this so you can get that weakness. And, and there are games that do that very well, and uh, games like Vanquish come to mind, or... Uh, for me, it's Resident Evil 4. Okay. That game had fantastic villains for boss fights. I even love playing House of the Dead in uh, arcades, and games like that, and that's all they are. But I don't remember any of the boss fights. They're not memorable. They don't make the game for me. That's more about the mechanics. And if the game has mechanics to begin with, or even great shooting mechanics like Destiny 2, it doesn't make a memorable boss fight. I was going to ask you, Kevin, like, do you remember any of the boss fights from Shovel Knight? I remember King Knight, Mole Knight. I, if I sat here and thought about it without drinking beer beforehand for like 30 <laughs> seconds, I could probably list all of them. I yeah, mean, they are memorable because they, memorable. Have, they have personality to them. They they're, have like a thing that makes you remember them. Each of their levels is themed around what they are and who they are, and so you're you're learning kind of about them as you're looking at the scenery of the level when you're playing through it. And at the end of it, even the way they talk, like King Knight, just the, the first boss that you, you fight in that game at the end of the first level, King Knight, the way that he talks is like, okay, this guy's regal. He thinks he's better than everybody else, and it just makes you want to hit him in the head with a shovel even more. <laughs> oh, uh, that game is so well done. I cannot talk that game up enough. Mm-hmm. It, yes, th- those those boss fights are memorable because not only are their characters well written, the levels well done, but the boss fights themselves are all unique, different, and they test your skills. Not to the extent of Dark Souls, but they're not hard per se. But they're they're harder than the rest of the level. Like when you look at the whole scope of the game, like you remember those moments specifically because of what it leads up to. Yes. And uh, another example of that would be Undertale for me, but I am not going to talk about that because you guys need to play it for yourselves. <laughs> I tried. I couldn't get into you it. you got to play it. What style of game is it? Is it a side-scroller? Yeah, I mean, kind it's like a retro a... game where you control a character and... Uh, it's sort of one of those top-down RPGs. It's, 
It's hard to describe without you playing it. You can't put it in one genre. It's like a blend of genres. Gotcha. But the final boss, it's you have to experience it for yourself. You just have to do it. Shovel Knight, though, kind of takes that uh, the style of Mega Man, the way that Mega Man is written as a video game, but makes it good to the point where I don't know. To me, the 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 villains of like the the knights. I see where you go. The order of no quarter meant more to me than the than the robots that you fight in Mega Man. I was gonna like delve further into what you're talking about because with the Mega Man games, like I can never get into those. Uh, But I see what you're saying, like how the whole experience of finding each of those individual bosses in Shovel Knight is more memorable because you're saying how the level design kind of. Mega Man does it to the same extent, though. To they, an extent. Well, they do, but they don't have dialogue True. at the end of True. the level and when you fight them. I think that's what Shovel Knight really did well and why it sticks out more than Mega Man when it comes to the that theme. It basically develops these characters, you know, well enough to give them their own expansions. Well, yeah. Not just that, but even to make the end of the game... Because the, the whole story is about Shuffle Knight and Shield Knight, and it says it right from the beginning cinematic. And you think it's going to be just this cute uh, 16-bit-looking Mega Man-esque style game that you can play in five hours. You don't expect the story to stick with you, but the way that each of the bosses are written and the, the way that the story ties into the, the main villain of the game and to the beginning of the game, it's, just, it's perfect. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. The Enchantress is a is a good antagonist in that game <laughs> the boss fight wasn't that great at least uh, the final final boss fight of the game was was pretty good but mm-hmm. bef- when you're fighting the enchantress uh, the, the time before that is not that great mm-hmm. i want to say i do enjoy a boss fight when it's not just like i said a bullet sponge when it's actually something that takes that's not just where they have more health and are right. super powered and stuff when it's just regular villain, but you have to do certain things to defeat them. And the only example I could think of off the top of my head was The Last of Us, when I can't remember who the villain was in that game, but I remember the gameplay of when you take him down, and it's when you're in the the town and it's snowing, it's like a blizzard outside, and you're playing as Ellie. Mm-hmm. So yep. you're already kind of, you know, you're underarmed and you're smaller and stuff, and then he's just chasing you around the inside of this building that's burning right. down. Yeah. And he's not like super powered or anything, but he can get you because he's obviously bigger than you and it changes the gameplay. And when it's something like that, I guess I enjoy that and I wish I had more games that had bosses like that than just generic, you know, super powered bullet sponges. Well, I think the main antagonist of The Last of Us is supposed to be your conscience. <laughs> I think it's yeah. supposed to make you think about what you would do in that situation. You know, this end. is a great segue into the bosses of survival horror games because one series in particular silent hill does this so well it makes the bosses that you experience and encounter they're actually uh these figments of your personality the protagonist's personality that you have to triumph over in order to proceed the story and learn what the hell is going on in this town. And uh, specifically with Silent Hill 2, 
Uh, are you okay with me spoiling this game for you guys? I don't care. I'm never going to play it. Basically, uh, you learn that James is the reason why his wife died. And it turns out he was so uh, distraught at providing care for his uh, vegetative state-like wife that he actually kills her in her sleep by snuffing around with a pillow. And because of that, he has these demons with him when he walks into Silent Hill. Everything from the enemy design to the boss encounters to the environments are a reflection of his personality hmm. and his uh, trauma that he suffered when he just committed that unforgivable act. Hmm. And survival horror games, that's what I love about them, is they explore the protagonist, the human soul, the human side of the protagonist, but at the same time, how that is basically conflicted and those dark, dark souls. <laughs> yep. So there are a lot of things that make a great antagonist in a game, uh, whether it's memorable or not is kind of, it well, is subjective. Uh, let us know what you think. Uh, there are a lot of ways to go on this, and we've had a lot of opinions on this, and uh, we want to hear from you, even though Kyle's cracking up about it. <laughs> if you want to get in touch with us, hit us up on Twitter, at PushingButtonsP. You can check out our website, PushingButtonsPodcast.com. Our YouTube channel link is on there. Our Twitch channel link is on there. Our Twitter is on there. Uh, SoundCloud will be on other places at some point. Check out Kevin's Jedi Outcast video. Yeah. It's pretty entertaining. Yeah, tell me what you think about that, too. Just leave a comment on the video let me know. Mm-hmm. I'll probably get back to you, especially if you're laughing at me making fun of me. I'll enjoy it. <laughs> anyway, I hope you've enjoyed this episode of the Pushing Buttons Podcast, and we will see you next time. Adios. Good night. Love you.